I'm Stephen Fowler, and you're listening to Pipe and Drape, the only podcast that spotlights the creative minds behind the theater for young audiences industry. Every two weeks, I sit down with a theater professional to hear their stories about the audition, rehearsal, and development process of theater for young audiences. Each of them have bridged the path from youth to adulthood while working in the theater for young audiences industry. My guests have mounted shows small enough to fit in a minivan to productions so big they travel by caravan. You can join the conversation by emailing pipeanddrapestories at gmail.com or messaging Pipe and Drape Stories on Instagram. This Pipe and Drape story covers the world of theater from Shakespeare to children's books while also literally covering the world. From his home in New York City to all of China, this jack-of-all-trades performer has taken on new skills and cuisines while bringing theater to everyone, everywhere. Thank you for listening with me today. Today's guest is Emmanuel Elpenord. He's an actor, puppeteer, voiceover artist in New York City who has recently been off-Broadway in The Very Hungry Caterpillar Show and is currently in Disney's Winnie the Pooh. His other New York City credits include Shakespeare and Bryant Park, People's Improv Theater, The Met, NYC Children's Theater, Shadowbox Theater, and he's toured nationally with TheaterWorks USA and internationally with Rockefeller Productions. He's an artistic associate at Voyage Theatre Company, and you've seen his face and heard his voice in commercials all over the place. Emmanuel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, that's a good sum up. I like that. Thank you. There is so much, there is so much that you have done and so many skills that you have where like, I'm like, I could just like read off his whole resume or I'll just tell people to go look at it. Have you had anybody read it off before? Like, have you ever gone into a casting room and people are like, tell me about this, this, and this, and ask you to explain certain experiences? Oh yeah. They've, I've definitely had the, um, like what, like what was this show or this character or like that that production about but it's like my my career has has reached the point of like recommendation so I, I i've been kind of working around the same companies for a while kind of building that network route so oh. i haven't really auditioned in a, in a long while or like not in that first impression kind of way your offer only basically <laughs> That's, is that is that is that how you say it? Sure. No, I don't think so. You've been offered a bunch of roles in children's theater and Shakespeare and film all over the place. But did you always want to be an actor? I was in the acting magnet in my middle school, actually. We went to see a production of, I think it was Twelfth Night. Yeah, it was Twelfth Night at Juilliard. And then two of them came to our acting class and like did a stage combat scene where they were and they rolled on the ground and one was like oh, fake choking the other and it was very it was very impressive and very um yeah there was an, a separate after school program that came to visit uh our our school for for a time and i participated in like a shakespeare monologue course uh, you know introduction with Mel Nieves, I'll drop his name. I don't know, little shout outs to, to him. Because I was preparing for an audition to Juilliard out of high school then. And so I didn't get the audition, 
that because it's not my, I didn't, you know, accept it. But I had, at that point, and, you know, it's not something that goes away. I had a stutter. I had a speech impediment growing up, like, pretty, pretty bad. I got help in, in grade school and it got better, but I, you know, in my adolescence, it was still a thing. And it still is a thing now if you listen, if you listen closely enough sometimes. He helped me with that. And then I never see him again. Mel, Mel Nieves, the guy who like, you know, helped um, coach me for, for that monologue until years later, like 13 years later, he came to see me in Measure for Measure in Bryant Park. You know, it's such an honor to have him see me then. And we're still, oh, it was it was a very sweet um, full circle moment. I love that you do Shakespeare, you do film, and you also do a whole bunch of puppetry. And it's like, I feel like people only do one of those three things. And they classify themselves as, I am this, I'm a Shakespearean actor. I am just a puppeteer. I only do film. You do all of those things and very well. Um, I'm struggling so hard to not like leap in and like you know chop down these 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 compliments that are like oh. it's it's funny to to have it that that outside eye because yeah I, I do I do like to to have many soups Shakespeare you know film film acting the puppetry. I. I'm going to take a wild guess that you love learning new skills just by seeing that you have multiple focuses of study, like from Brooklyn college, like BFA in acting and creative writing and also BA in TV radio production. And then you also trained in improv at second city in Toronto. (laughs) I assume. And also, I mean, you know, you said you're a good student and your resume also says that you graduated magna cum laude. So I, I assume that you love to learn. Um, That's, yeah, I, it's, it's true. I'm very, <laughs> that, oh yeah. You know, that's true. I don't know if I'm probably, it's probably something I've, I've ripped off from someone else or something, but it's like, what's it called? Like, I'm not afraid to ask a question. If I don't understand something, like, you'll be the first to know that I don't understand what's going on. I'd rather be wrong, one, like, look stupid once and then know what I'm talking about for the rest of whatever. And you know what it is? What I've found in terms of, like, being multidisciplinary, puppeteering at the Marionette Theater, you know, puppeteering at the Bronx Zoo as I had been, I was doing that at the same time as... Uh, taking certification courses for stage combat and it's funny how these and I guess they're, they're all movement based so it, it that that's me kind of bringing it back into into like a, a certain scale but they were all all these different principles of of balance and and energy you know transferring and like connecting with your your partner taking the perspective from from the audience's view a lot of these very subtle nuances, like, oh, I'm kind of practicing all the same, like, that's all, they all rely on, on each other. Did you study puppetry and or theater for young audiences in school? Uh, n- no. There, I don't think puppetry formally was, was offered at the time at Brooklyn College, although there is a course now. And I hadn't taken any 
any theater for young audiences uh, course. I think when 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 studying creative writing, in that with with that there was a um, a children's literature course that I took, and I mean relevant <laughs> to there, uh, we did read we did read Winnie the Pooh at, at at one point in the in the curriculum. But no, I never studied children's theater or um, the acting program didn't have any musical theater uh, for that for that matter training my my in route to puppetry was after graduating one of my underclassmen like a year behind me in the acting program invited me to a 24-hour play festival and at this 20 and this 24-hour play festival is where i met the uh director Catherine hart deku who introduced me to the drilling company and that's when the shakespeare thing picked up or started from, just to put that there. And I also met the the, the woman who wrote for our 24-hour play team, uh, Brickin Sparsino, who uh, was the education director for the Wildlife Conservation Society. And she later invited me to audition um, for a puppet production at the happening at the Bronx Zoo that summer uh, because I had done... When when she asked about like what actor tricks can we work into this twenty four hour you know written in one day ten minute play, and I was like I do character voices oh all right what do you do Schwarzenegger come on get over there going through the elevator whatever you say, and then uh, so later that summer she invites me to audition she's like do you have any puppetry skills I'm like no but I'm I'm a quick study and uh, I'm I'm interested it's like all right. So I, I, I show up and um, audition. I have a, like kind of a knack, kind of a knack. And then, um, and then the, the rest is history to overuse that, <laughs> that saying. At some point between making this first connection and doing a puppet show at the Bronx Zoo, you became a not really, but basically offer only performer. Um, just kidding. But um, but people were just giving you jobs. You went on to do the Very Hungry Caterpillar show off-Broadway. Is that something where you were connected to that job and that company through someone else? Was there a open call audition listing, listing that you replied to? So... The day that I auditioned for the Hungry Caterpillar production and for Rockefeller Productions, I had left an afternoon or like a, um, a daytime shift at the Swedish Cottage Marionette Theater in Central Park. And co-workers were talking about this production or this audition that was coming and, and who had an appointment and who didn't and who got an email invitation because the audition was by invitation only. Yeah, I guess you have to make an appointment, to say the least. And um, I hadn't, because I didn't get any email or any kind of whatever. And I was like, well, all right. Yeah, it's that time. Well, I got, I've got, i got rehearsal for Bryant, uh, um, for Shakespeare in Bryant Park. You know, so, uh, all right, break legs, break legs, break legs. Everybody goes, and I I go to my uh, rehearsal in, in Bryant Park. Um, I finish that Shakespeare uh, rehearsal early, and I'm just loitering in Midtown when I get a text from one of my from one of the co-workers Fatima so to give you context text me is like all right 
They're going to do this and tell you that and ask for this and give you that. And when they say this, do that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I wasn't really planning on going. I, I don't, I didn't make an appointment. And he's like, and she was like, what do you mean? You know, come up here. There's no, there's no line. Just, just sign in, you know, say you this and that. Come on, you, you have to go. I was like, all right. So I, I go in and I kind of just sign in at the last, you know, bottom of the thing, put my resume down and, you know, I, I chill and wait. And then I go in and they've never seen me before. I didn't make an appointment. I'm the last person they're seeing. <laughs> you know, they asked me to do this. They asked me to read that. You know, they asked me to slow down. I slow down. They, they hand me um, the, the Caterpillar puppet and, and tell me to give me a moment to get comfortable with it. And I'm just taking my time getting comfortable with it. And I'm like really ex experimenting with the puppet for like what felt like two minutes straight, which is a long time because I was waiting for them to cut me off. I just, and then eventually like kind of, okay, I'm running out of things to do. It feels like I'm kind of eating up time. I just pause and wait. And I, <laughs> and then I asked them, so, okay, I'm ready. What, uh, what do we do? And they say, you can basically continue doing what you're doing. It was, you know, basically we wanted you to move with the puppet and see how, okay. And then I kept doing that. And the rest was history. Just to <laughs> Yeah, and, and then uh, that that production, I believe, opened in, like, S September or October in 2017 and kept getting extended until about May 2018, you know, and, and I was a swing, swing puppeteer. So it, it wasn't by recommendation, but it was. It wasn't an open call, but I showed up like it was <laughs> in a way. It's funny because like that, that audition was so much like, you know, signing up in advance and everything and prep. And then you casually kind of crashed an off-Broadway audition and then just got it. <laughs> Rockefeller. <laughs> and so I got it, but I also earned it. Like, you know, it, you know, and that's what it is. I think it's at some point. I had a conversation with with Jonathan Rockefeller, the the director, and we kind of recounted that that experience. And he was like, as much as you know, it was that kind of lucky, you know, happy accident stuff. It's like you're here for if you weren't good, you wouldn't be here. I, I let me, I assure you, you know, like you're good, you're talented, you're this and that. And it's like, yeah, you know, I think of it maybe as a story of recognition. Of like, hmm, like I'm, I'm into this. I, I, I see what you're, what you're getting at, and then they can see what I can do. So you were working at the Swedish Cottage uh, when you got the offer for um, Caterpillar off Broadway. Did you have to leave that and any other jobs in order to take this, or were you able to balance everything out? Yes and no. I, I had flexibility with with the, my schedule at the cottage such that, you know, there are multiple puppeteers in, in rotation and learning, you know, all the parts to, to, to cast each uh, a performance, that is to say. And, um, you know, uh, Caterpillar Off-Broadway was a fixed schedule and fixed the cast and all that. So I, uh, I, I managed to do both with, with a more full schedule than than uh, than not, but there was a certain point when when the performance, when that uh, production closed, and the show went on tour, 
that I had to put on on pause my my work with the with the marionette theater and everything else here honestly although when when I was on tour with Caterpillar in China I was getting off book for Othello opening like two weeks after I would be returning from China to, to New York I love that like you were on the other side of the world at the same time that you were doing this show, Hungry Caterpillar, you were also studying to do a show that was on the other side of what theater could be. It's like all these opposites going on where you have like America and then like China, which are two like very different atmospheres and languages and cultures. And then you have Hungry Caterpillar, where you're performing puppetry for audiences of thousands of kids, and you're studying to go back and do Othello, which is incredibly dark and rich adult material. Oh, it really is. And as you as you mentioned, it's like, you know, I, I guess we, we, we didn't, maybe we kind of saw it coming, but the um, that that production of Othello um, broke audience records at, at Bryant Park at like 1600 plus all three nights that we, uh, we were out as much as the, the experience is my, my own, that the outside perspective of, Oh yeah, that was a really strong contrast of, <laughs> of like work and preparation and like running, <laughs> running these lines. Oh yeah, I remember the, um, the 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 producers and um, the the like uh, tech team um, like coming over when I'm when I'm like belting a line or something in the other uh, rehearsal room at the theater. Like, is everything okay? I I would just like hold up the script. I'm like, oh okay okay, he's he's running lines because like that was me the you know every all week or um, all all the, the every week on the tour. So as someone who loves to learn and appreciates many different things that this world has to offer, did you get to be a tourist while you were in China with Caterpillar? Ooh-wee. Yes, I did. I, and, uh, yes, I did. A lot. I was such a, a trotter. Um... I, yeah, I, I, I did a lot of sightseeing. Uh, I mean, the, the, the beauty of the experience was it was um, eight weeks, eight cities. I think we traveled Mondays, load in the same day, either or continue Tech Tuesday, perhaps. And then we'd have shows like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The, the Mondays and Tuesdays, the cast would have off as as the the set was being like built and, and the stage and the lighting and all that in each city and so yeah that's that's when we would we would coordinate as much of that a lot of the the eating and you know the great wall of china the the um the terracotta soldiers and the various gardens and towers and parks museums my goodness there are some cities where i, I was having a, a bad time but then I like would you know it makes me think of um, this this one noodle shop I discovered in Shanghai, like walking on a rainy day, like just going for a walk, just soaking in as much of the, you know, the city or whatever. And um, I walked in, and you know, black guy in China that that's a whole nother 
conversation, but just walking in as as a clearly a foreigner, and still was so welcoming and like oh and sincerely wanted to make sure I was you know okay and doing good. It was it was good. It was there were some challenging aspects to 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 traveling, but definitely the treasures outweigh any of the any of that between just the the traveling the eating and communicating what did you do to stay grounded and physically and mentally in shape and able to do your job i mean it, it kind of it it, it it might be an echo of uh of my previous answer to like the sightseeing and and like you know letting letting work be the work but making time for myself and like self-care and time to unwind and i I guess i'll I'll share something separate but relevant you know i i grew up with two languages in the home i i grew up bilingual and i'm not uncomfortable you know i mean thanks thanks to google translate google translate did a lot of the heavy lifting I'll, i'll just put that out there but i'm like i'm i'm okay like navigating language barriers for the most part i didn't mind being out and about <laughs> you know exploring solo and oh what's this what's that like ordering with the with the phone and and making that that kind of thing happen you know i'm fortunate to say i i, I don't have any like food allergies as as such and in fact i consider myself kind of an adventurous eater you know, self-care and, and, and treating myself to, to, to things. I, like, took a bike ride in, in Suzhou, like, for my, the first time I was on a bike since, like, I was a, um, probably, like, middle school, late grade school or something. Just, like, on a, I think, you know, and it, I guess that that goes back to your mental health thing because I've, I've since become kind of a, a you know, a cyclist, um, a little bit. And I think that that physical outlet at that point in the week came at a very good time or that point in the in the tour came at a good time of like, you know, you, you can read all the TED talks about about um, cycling and, you know, whatever uh, mental health benefits of physical physicality and getting into flow states and whatnot. But anyway, I biked to a place and like locked it up and walked around this little shopping plaza area and plopped into this restaurant <laughs> and my Google Translate was was on the fritz. It wasn't or I didn't I couldn't find internet, whatever it was. It just wasn't working. And I was just pointing at stuff and I ended up ordering like these these strange deviled eggs that were like an unusual color. I ate them, it was like pickled something or other. It was alright. I ordered something like like some spicy greens and then um, these, these chicken tenders, but it was like with, um, the like cartilages prepared. This might be grossing out some, (laughs) and then I like, I ordered something sweet. I got like a a taro, these taro, uh, like gelatinous, um, with like gelatinous, uh, uh, rice flour, whatever it is, these rice flour, taro pastries, whatever you might call it. And those, those were actually what you expected they might be, you know, those are actually, okay, I see what I'm getting, and I, it's about what it was, I think I, I, um, I ate what I could, 
and I took the the tarot cakes to go, and then I <laughs> share, I remember sharing them with the cast afterwards. Of like, you know, I've taken I've rolled the dice a lot at these restaurants, and like oh, I don't know, you guys give it a try. Oh, this is great! Oh my god, what is it? And that's so why I finally got my my little. Oh, this is weird. These this is unusual food. I'm eating it. I'm hungry. I'll you know scarf it down, but. This is this is gonna be a fun story to tell at some at some point. <laughs> I got back on my bike, you know, tummy full of of uh, of eggs. <laughs> a lot of children's theater in America encourages kids to verbally react to what they're seeing. I have been to shows where there are curtain speeches where they they will tell the kids if you see something funny, laugh and. If you like something, clap your hands. And some shows even encourage kids to shout things out panto style. Mm. And um, uh, theater etiquette in other countries tends to be different than that in America. So did you find performing for kids overseas that you were getting different reactions from your audiences? Oh, yes. Yes, very much. In, in, In China... You know, I think that there was a little bit more um, formality and like uniformity in 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 audience reactions. It wasn't so you know like maybe blurts and uproarious applause at like different time necessarily. But one one thing I I, I remember <laughs> when there was like a beat or like a moment that pops like something big coming out or. A, re- a, a, a revelation of something. Everyone in the audience, kids, adults, they go, "Oh!" It isn't. It isn't like "Yay!" or like like random cheer noises. That kind of like a Technicolor of cheer noises, or like "Oh like, yeah!" It's like "Oh!" It's, it, it might it might not have even been that sound, but it was something in unison that was like "Oh, that's that's something." And then as soon as I like got used to that and like understood what that means, it's like, okay, like this gets that reaction from them. I think my performance definitely got more nuanced in terms of like uh, relating to the audience, audience reactions there to point back to the thing of like, I'm not uncomfortable in like foreign language environments, you know, growing up with, you know, with, with having to navigate two different languages I was very happy to listen to however they were reacting and like make that my my lexicon of of their experience, you know. So, from your experience bringing the show to families in China, to making your off Broadway debut, to crashing an audition, what are <laughs> some of the major things that you took away from your very hungry caterpillar journey? My big takeaway. It's not even a takeaway. It's just like my second nature. I think maybe it comes from growing up in the city or like growing up in New York or whatever. But like I I wasn't afraid to take public transportation to explore the places I was at on tour. And that's something I, I might encourage in others. It wouldn't have occurred to me not to go exploring or like seeing like going sightseeing. And I'm not sure who who would go on tour and not, but um, I guess specifically that aspect, I was like, I'm happy I did that. 
doing as the locals do in a, in a way within reason, obviously, you know, don't like go willy nilly, you know, look, look up your routes, know your whatever, be safe as it was. But that's a skill set. I'm glad I exercised and strengthened at least while, while on tour, because I got to see a lot and do and do a lot. Emmanuel, thank you for speaking with me today. How can our listeners see more of what you're up to? They can catch me uh, currently playing Eeyore, Owl, and Rabbit in Disney's Winnie the Pooh, the new musical adaptation, uh, playing at Theater Row currently. You can find tickets on winniethepooshow.com. My website is elpenord.net, and my Instagram handle is sword period of period elpenord. If you are listening to this episode in the summer of 2022, there is still time for you to see Emmanuel in Disney's Winnie the Pooh at Theater Row in New York City. Ticket information is in the show notes for this episode. If you are listening after the summer of 2022, hello! I hope things are going well. Check out Emmanuel on social media to see his work. You can join the conversation about theater for young audiences and find more Pipe and Drape content, including photos, quotes, and TYA news on Instagram at Pipe and Drape Stories. And please be sure to rate and review Pipe and Drape wherever you listen to podcasts. Each star given and review submitted helps future listeners find the show. Be sure to tune in every other Tuesday to hear theater for young audiences' creatives share their Pipe and Drape stories. Pipe and Drape is created and hosted by Stephen Fowler and distributed by Anchor. The Pipe and Drape logo was created by Stephen Gordon and music was composed by Stephen Fowler. Thank you for listening with me today.